This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two, and soon to be three, and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Hi, this is Laura. This is episode 14 of Best of Both Worlds. Today, we are going to be talking food, all things food and meal planning. Uh, Sarah was talking recently with us about some uh, good meals she's had out recently, some slightly subversive meals, right, Sarah? Yeah, you can be subversive with your meals when you're pregnant sometimes. Everyone has (laughs) an opinion (laughs) about what you should be eating when you're pregnant. (laughs) Yes, and I will say I think I stuck mostly to the guidelines for numbers one and two, but we went on a movie date and I simply had to have some sushi. So I did a little bit of research and I am not dispensing medical advice here, as I never will on this podcast, by the way, but decided for myself that the evidence looked like it was safe to just go for it and it was awesome. Yeah. Sushi is awesome, especially if you haven't had it in like seven months. <laughs> yeah, because I had been avoiding it or just eating the cooked stuff, which really is not all that satisfying. No, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure like Japanese women eat sushi when they're pregnant. I can actually vouch for that. I worked with a resident who was Japanese and she did eat sushi and she would just ignore people's face. <laughs> <when she laughs> or like French women eat soft cheeses and so forth. I think 
a lot of the pregnancy advice is not based on a whole lot of solid research, partly because people don't do research on pregnant women. And exactly, which is reasonable, but then it really does kind of slow progress a little bit. Yeah, it does. The day we're recording this, I'm going out to eat tonight with my husband. I'm very excited about that. We're having date night. Yay. Yay. But it's just going to be at this like brewery, so it'll probably be burgers and beer, which is fine. I love burgers and beer on a Friday evening. That is just perfection to me. But a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a meal. I was a little bit more adventurous. I went out for Malaysian food with some friends. Ooh. What was good there? What is? What, I don't even tell know me about a Malaysian dish. Food. I assume it's <laughs> Asian, but it's like slightly more. I guess maybe islands. But I'm going to totally screw that up. I, I know it's nothing about. Coastal, it. We're going to hear from like Malaysian listeners who are like, "You have yeah. no idea what you're talking about," which is probably true. <laughs> uh, so, in fact, because I had no idea what I was talking about, I just asked the waitress to pick something for me, uh, and I would highly recommend that as a strategy for ordering at a place where you know nothing about the cuisine. Because, I mean, the the server has seen, no doubt, people who are not that ethnicity attempt to order food and botch it horribly. <laughs> and she or he will know what is good and what is crowd pleasing. And so the woman just said, well, do you like beef? And I'm like, sure. She said, well, this is a just mildly spicy beef, but a lot of people like it. I'm like, that sounds awesome. And it was done. done. It was good. <laughs> done. Satisfies her way to go. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I would do that even in a cuisine I did know if I just didn't feel like thinking about it that much. It's like a, it's like a fixed, pr you know, like the chef's table without actually having to pay the markup, yeah, you know? Chef's <laughs> and yes, if it wasn't so expensive. I'd love to do that every time I went out, but uh, it tends to be higher in restaurants. But this is a this is a food episode. Our, our main segment we want to talk about meal planning and the idea of getting dinner on the table uh, and all the baggage that comes with that and the thought processes and all that and the tips and strategies. Because I know for a lot of working parents, the issue with dinner, like you want to do well by your family, you want to have healthy food, you want to eat together as much as you can if that works for you guys and your schedule. But like it's six o'clock, you're tired, everyone's hungry, you've just gotten home from daycare or aftercare and from work, the commute, like you do not want to think about getting food on the table at that point, which is when you have to do it. And so I think this is a real pain point for, for a lot of working parents. Do you have memories of, of family dinner growing up, Sarah? Yeah, we had the fairly traditional family dinner most of the time. Um, my mother did actually go back to work when I was in middle or high school, but when I was younger than that, she stayed home. So it was the, she'd prepare dinner for a couple hour or two hours. I don't know. I'll have to ask her. Um, it seemed like a long time in the afternoon. And then my dad would come home from work around six 30 or seven or so. And we were usually starving by then because that was like late as kids. And we did sit down all together. But the funny thing is what I remember about those dinners is not, even though my mom actually deserves a lot of credit as an excellent cook, she was and still is, but I don't really remember the food all that much, which I think is kind of telling because there's so much emphasis placed on like the perfect menu and like people put a lot of pressure on themselves. But I remember sitting down, I remember a few favorite dishes, but mostly just kind of the experience. What about you? Yeah. 
I mean, this is going to sound so sad, and it is so unfair to my parents because I know they did get dinner on the table together a lot of nights. Um, that my mom and my dad, you know, both cooked at various points, and uh, I know my dad was responsible for getting us dinner for a while. With my mom, um, did tutoring growing up when I was growing up, and so that the hours for that are often like three to six o'clock or three to seven o'clock at night because kids need tutors after school. Um, but what I honestly remember most. I mean, best memories I have are like of going to McDonald's <laughs> and getting the like Monopoly game pieces and playing on the playground. Like, God, I love McDonald's. <laughs> and then at one point we started going to the mall food court. Like, I don't know how often we did it. We probably didn't do it that often because my parents weren't that big on, on taking us out to eat because, you know, who does want to take kids out to eat? But you know, we'd go to the mall food court and I'd get like chicken teriyaki at the Japanese stall at the mall food court. And I thought that was just so awesome. <laughs> and so, and it's so funny of all the meals your mom probably, you know, that your parents got on the table, it's the food court chicken teriyaki. Is, is what I'm thinking impression. about. Like dinner's growing up with this <laughs> image of being at the mall food court and having chicken teriyaki. And yes, that is so unfair. And I know it is so unfair. And I, my mom in particular, I mean, she cooked us a lot of like, I went through a vegetarian kick for a while and she went ahead with it and like cooked a lot of vegetarian dishes and that was great and all that. But for some reason, I don't know, the chicken teriyaki kebabs at the, <laughs> the mall food court. Which I feel like really that both of us, like the theme there is like, get food on the table, make it healthy. Do not put pressure on a million details unless that's fun for you because your kids are probably going to forget it yeah. anyway. <laughs> your kids are going to have no memory of like the vast majority of this. And, and I feel like I've read some research on it. what children take away most from their child is sort of their feelings of whether it was a happy childhood or not, like whether they felt safe and loved and all that, that you take away from childhood. A lot of other stuff is just lost in the wash or else you make different choices as adults and that's kind of life. But uh, that may be the one thing that, that kids take with them. And so you want to sort of focus on it being fun and family and uh, enjoying each other's company and whatever form that happens to take. But I think one of the reasons we had we had talked about doing this segment, we had um, both of us had read a post on a blog that is the Frugal Girl is the the blog. Um, it's a great website, by the way. She her theme is cheerfully living on less. And of the various like frugal bloggers out there, she is so non judgmental. Which, if anyone has read a lot of the frugal blogs out there, there are many more judgmental, frugal people out there. And she is not that at all, but she's very into giving helpful hints. And so one of her readers had written in like, well, I work full time, you know, I commute, I come home, I want to get dinner on the table. What do I do? You know, and, and how do I not resort to takeout every single night, which is of course the temptation because then it's made for you and you can get it on the way home and all that. And so they had a lot of really good, the readers had, it was like 150 comments, right? I mean, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. The comments were, I mean, the post was great, but the comments were amazing. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff, but a lot of it was about things like having rotations, right? And, and you do a rotation of sorts. We totally do a rota rotation. You want to hear a rotation? Let's hear your rotation. <laughs> so pretty much every Monday we have some combination of salmon, green beans, and some kind of carb, like sweet potatoes, because I don't have to think. And that's like one day that's checked off. And because fish, like the shopping happens on Monday. So that's like just done. And that's so easy. And to 
I mean, to be fair, we've talked about on the outsourcing. I actually do not cook these days, but if I did, I could throw that together in a very short amount of time. So I feel confident that would be a universal choice. Then we do something on Tuesday to Wednesday. So we are huge on leftovers. So our rotation loves leftovers that usually has like chicken, like that's our sort of meat type thing. So I'll just pick something out of cooking light or real simple or something I saw on a blog. And then Thursday and Friday, we've been doing like something vegetarian. Like my kids love these like black bean burrito bowls. And then that's the entire week. And then on Saturday, a lot of times we either go out with the kids or we do takeout with them. So like with a family or we get pizza, something like that. If we're going out and the kids are home, they're often eating eggs because that's like the perfect feed your kids date night meal. And then Sunday is actually probably where it varies the most because sometimes we're doing something social. Sometimes I cook something and maybe we'll get the ingredients on Saturday. And then it's sort of like doing that for fun. Like it's not getting food on the table. That's the one meal that I might make something that I saw in a cool magazine to enjoy yeah. it because I do think it is fun yeah. <laughs> Even what, what do you look do probably because i don't do it yeah. all week what do you look through to get recipes i mean what, where are you finding them oh my gosh so i it's funny i gravitate towards well first of all for like the weekdays i tend to like blogs that aren't necessarily food blogs where they're like a word like lag live who is a lawyer with three kids in texas and i know many of my readers read her she's awesome she'll often post a weekly meal plan and it just kind of gives me ideas and then I, I like a blogger called healthy slice of life so you could you know look for both of those and they'll ha- they'll show their whole meal rotation so that gives me ideas but then i also love magazines like cooking light and real simple are my go-tos you love real simple too right yeah no i, I get both of those as well i get cooking light and i had a banana bread that i was waking making for a long time that came out of the cooking light. Uh, Real simple. A couple, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, they ran a section that was of their most pinned recipes. And that was a total goldmine. And I should have looked up which issue it was so we could tell people to go find the old one, like on, you know, eBay or Amazon or something. But uh, they probably have it online too, or you just go follow them on Pinterest. You can search. But they had their most pinned recipes. And there were a couple of those that were like awesome. I mean, there's a shrimp taco one. There was a chicken tiki masala one. They're, they're just good stuff. Like I, I enjoyed eating them. But yeah, it, it, I, I love the thing about your rotation because you only have to really plan three meals. Three like, things. Three, three and things. one of them is the same every nights. time. So I'm really only up two things. Exactly. Simple. And And the thing with the leftovers is this is a good way for people to plan it out too. like just plan to make more than you're actually going to eat because then you can have a second dinner made out of it It doesn't have to be the exact same thing like i mean if you made hamburgers one night you can take the leftover hamburgers and turn them into taco meat or turn them into you know the meat that would go in sauce for pasta or something i mean you know very simple like that but use the same basic ingredient to to have as leftovers if so if people get a little bit weird about having the same thing two nights in a row which i wouldn't but some people do then that can be a way around that but you know people are suggesting things on this blog like you know taco tuesday pizza friday sandwich night breakfast for dinner night, pasta night, right there. That's like five nights. <laughs> that's all you need. And, and that can go really, I mean, breakfast for dinner. That's what you guys do when the oh, kid, when you're so going out. So right? kid yeah. friendly. So kid friendly. I mean, who doesn't love like eggs and waffles? <laughs> exactly. And it can put all the food groups in there. Like no problem. No problem. <laughs> I think one thing that both of us sort of had a bit of a mixed feeling about that was the idea of too much cooking ahead of time. I know that some people are really into the idea of freezer meals. 
Is that something you have ever tried? I think the only time I ever put anything in the freezer was when I was pregnant with Annabelle. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of stuff in the freezer. And maybe that was the right time to do it because I had no kids at the time. So, But no, I, I'm not super, I, I'm not a big freezer meal person. That said, I think that it can be great if you're making something like in bulk. Like if you're making enchiladas on a Sunday, but you just make three pans and two of them go in the freezer, then I do think that could be kind of time saving. But yeah. I've never gotten into it personally. That could save you time. I think what people, some people who really get into this start doing is making meals that they aren't actually eating at that point ahead of time. Like what you're describing for stocking up for when the baby comes, only they do this for their normal life. What I've seen with this on people's time logs is that it saves, it doesn't save you time. You're going to wind up maybe eating better during the week in terms of more elaborate meals than you might have otherwise, but it doesn't save you time. And in fact, it costs you time because you have that weekend time that is devoted to cooking that could have been leisure time or could have been playing with kid time or could have been whatever time. And then people who do this also still then add stuff to it when they pull those meals out of the freezer. So like, say they did make that pan of enchiladas that's in the freezer, they pull it out and then they're like, oh, well, let me make a side Mexican salad to go with it and I'll get some beans to go on the side. It's like, so you're still in the kitchen cooking and you're still making that, it's still taking you that time to heat it up and you're making the side dishes during that time. Now, obviously if you were just cooking that night, you wouldn't have made that pan of enchiladas because it took more than half an hour to make, but you could have made a different dinner in 30 minutes or less. I mean, you make a dinner in 15 minutes. So like that salmon you're talking about, a piece of salmon cooks in what, like 15, 20 minutes. Nothing. Like, yeah. Nothing so, I mean, I would say better to focus on if you are going to cook in bulk and freeze it, that's fine. Don't cook anything that you're not making and eating right then. I um, agree. And then, well, and also I think, well, you kind of said this, but like, really heating something up from frozen properly because I think it turns out better in the oven than the microwave oh, yeah. takes forever. <laughs> it so really, if you're coming home from work, unless you have like an early day and you can throw it in the oven for like two hours, because if it's a frozen block, you're kind of in trouble. No, like you it, definitely like would have had night. To- Put it in the fridge the night before. Oh, got it. See, I, this is I don't. This is why I don't do. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I had thought that would be that thawing. Uh, okay, so you're thawing it, and you get home, and you just have to heat it up. Okay, that's more reasonable. But still, I mean, you have to preheat the oven. Like you stick it in. It's it's cooking. You know, for 20, 30 minutes. Like you're not saving time. It's still taking you forty five minutes after you get home to get dinner on the table. And and maybe if you're home earlier than everyone else, that's fine. And yeah, you're eating better than you would have because you got this plate of enchiladas that took you an hour to make on Sunday, but you you haven't saved time. You haven't helped yourself in that regard. So like better to have simple, like the omelet for dinner or the piece of salmon with green beans or, you know, God, what else is, what else is really quick? I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> um, any kind of sandwich or wrap, any kind of, if you like have the, comp- so I think like pre-doing the components, like I have seen people on a weekend while they're just hanging out, like slow cook a bunch of rice or some beans, then you can just kind of like turn that into a million different things pretty mindlessly. Salad with some beans and rotisserie chicken you bought at the grocery store, throw on some tomatoes, add some chips, Walk from a container, done. <laughs> yeah, and supermarket prepared foods are great that way. I mean, like, you know, buy a rotisserie chicken or something, and then you have that in your fridge for the week, and, and so that's really easy. Or some, you know, there's lots of veggies that steam in the bag now in the microwave. So that's a mindless side um, that's incredibly healthy. But I think the key thing what people have is they get this, like, 
mental fatigue. It's not even so much like the idea of cooking. It's that you come home, you're tired from work, you don't want to decide and you don't want to execute on it. And that's why people wind up picking up takeout or stopping at well, the Well, for that, we were, um, remember we were talking about those meal, like not a subscription box, which neither of us, well, we can get to that, but like a meal, like a meal planning meal prep service because they're pretty inexpensive and usually some of them require a little bit of prep on the weekends, but it does take that kind of mental piece out of here. Like um, I'm thinking about services like Fresh 20 or Prep Dish, neither of which are episode sponsors, by the way, but where you get a list and then the meals and then you just don't have to think about it. My problem is I always seem to be like, well, but my kids don't like that and I might not feel like that that night, but it does kind of take the mental piece out of it a little. And so some of them are designed to be really I think quick. it's the planning ahead that is really helpful. Like in a time when you do have energy to plan the week and then, you know, go grocery yeah. shopping. Monday morning, always. Um, I do, I do. Well, again, I only have to pick two things. <laughs> so sometimes I've already like seen them on during the week and I ripped them out and I like have a little area next to my magazines where I put like recipes that I want to do, or I go to like perennial favorites from some of my favorite cookbooks. And then Monday morning is always when I put the list together and like, I'm talking at like, you know, six in the morning. Cause that's when I do a lot of my, like, I don't know. I have that, that the part of my brain that does planning is really works well at that time and not at other times. So I do my meal planning then too and make a grocery list. And, you know, as we've talked about, I don't do my own shopping anymore. If we did not have the situation we had, I probably might consider something, and I still didn't want to go to the store, I might consider like a grocery delivery on a Sunday or just going early myself on a Sunday because grocery stores early are super empty and yeah. Much more satisfying to, to no, go to. <laughs> battling the crowds at Wegmans on Saturday is just... Oh, but you go at like 8 a.m., it's amazing. It's like sterile. I love it. <laughs> so at one point, I, I'm, I'm fortunate I'm not doing a whole lot of my grocery shopping anymore either now, but uh, when I was and I had my two-year-old was waking up at like 5 a.m., we, we did in fact go to Wegmans sometimes at 5.30 a.m. Um, oh, weekend. perfect. Yeah, it's like an activity. <laughs> yeah. No, and you can get done really quick. There's like nobody in your way and you don't care if your kid's really running around because there's no one to run into. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Whereas Early you're there on Saturday afternoon. I literally had a woman yell at me because she thought I was standing between her and the milk she was trying to grab. <laughs> I was like, I oh cannot There's a great like YouTube video about the Whole Foods parking lot that went viral a couple of years ago, but I swear it's like real. It's so funny. <laughs> I could, I could <laughs> about the aggression it. in the Whole Foods parking lot like, don't buy people wearing yogurt shirts yes exactly <laughs> exactly it's so fun yeah and so i would i would probably you know do that meal planning on on weekends uh, for, you know again full disclosure here i decided about a year and a half ago that i really did not want to think about you know feeding my kids and myself after work my husband is often gone, uh, traveling. Uh, so he was often not part of this and I really didn't feel like cooking. And so that is one of the things that I outsource now that our, our nanny does a lot of the food prep. And that's absolutely a great option. If you have a childcare provider that doesn't have stuff to do during the school day, or if your kids are older and you know, they're not running around and trying to cook with a baby at the same time. I actually really enjoy, I let you know, even though I like to be efficient about it, I like that control and I like doing that little meal planning ritual. So I have no 
no plans to outsource that. But as we talked about, we do outsource the actual cooking and shopping for the food. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the Shame. experience of being sort of like a 1950s man. <laughs> so I think about like coming out of my <laughs> office or something and there's dinner. <laughs> it's not, that's not really how it goes because the hours between four and six, she and I are trading off driving the kids around to various places. But it is kind of nice to, if I've gone to pick up a kid um, who's out somewhere, I'm picking up two of the kids at their activities and come home and then dinner's on the table. It's like, I don't have to also be putting dinner on the table in addition to hauling the four children out of the car. Fifties, Laura. I mean, there are many, many, probably many more men than women right now that still enjoy that lifestyle. It just happens to be their wife doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. The fact that we've taken jobs that have meant that we're not necessarily the ones doing it. There really should not be any negativity associated with it. No, that. I don't. And I really appreciate it. I, I, um, I'm always very thankful for the, the meals and make a point of complimenting them. You know, they're very yes. good. <laughs> so, but that's yes, not, yes, yes. And I think about like, uh, you know, if I were cooking for people and obviously she's being paid to do it, so it's sort of whatever, but, uh, I was not, and I was feeling like I wasn't getting a whole lot of the happiness for my children about it. And I kind of had enough. Um, so that's one of the, things I managed to get off my plate in the last year. And it's been great. Freed up a lot of mental energy. So we'll throw that out there as a possible option for people too. But yeah, neither you or I have done those meal delivery kits or, (laughs) I don't, I don't, it looks very inefficient actually. It's like, (laughs) they talk about, you know, 30 to 45 minutes and like everything's individually wrapped and it's like all that packaging. And then it only makes one night of dinner. Maybe if there was one that, I don't know, turned into like two dinners and one lunch, I might maybe be interested, but no, I, I think if I was gonna like when the baby's born and my parent, well, my, my parents are actually going to visit. Um, but during my nanny being on vacation, if my mom didn't feel like cooking, I might think about doing like a, you know, we actually did this with Annabelle. So when she was a baby, we found a restaurant that had this really cool family dinners thing. And it was not that expensive where they just cooked all your dinners for a week and you picked them up and you heat them up. And it it really was not that expensive and it was really good food. And for like a special kind of time when we didn't have the help and and things were crazy because I had had a new baby. It was perfect. So I'd be more likely to just do that than do like a meal box. Yeah. I assume the meal boxes is kind of, it's like a fun couple date night sort of thing. So if you're, you know, newlyweds or like a couple that's living together and wanting to play house, I guess, together, you're like, Ooh, we can cook this. And, um, but yeah, one of the selling points of some of these services is like, there's less food waste because it's just, you know, the amount for that dinner. I'm like, but we don't have food waste at our house because we eat the leftovers. (laughs) It's like makes lunch for me. Dinner, dinner, and then lunch ad nauseum. And I always eat my leftovers for lunch the next day. I don't, I don't understand this concept of of food waste. You know, maybe, maybe other people don't like to eat leftovers. That's Some all I could. Some people really don't. I mean, that must make it a lot harder. I, I really, I embrace monotony to some extent. And I love, I, I love, you know, the fact that nobody has to cook, including the nanny, including me on, on at least two days a week, if not more. I think it's great. And it's, the food is still nutritious and good and tasted just as good as it did the night before to me anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, we were going to talk real briefly about our favorite cookbooks. Cause I know we mentioned uh, the magazines we get recipes from. Do you have any, uh, any cookbooks you use? 
Yeah, I have two favorites actually right now. One um, is called Run Fast, Eat Slow. And it's actually, it's co-authored by a chef and then also Shalane Flanagan, who is a Olympic runner extraordinaire. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, it's kind of gimmicky, like the Olympic run. But actually this book is filled with fantastic recipes. And I know multiple people who also are super into this book. I mean, like we eat the shrimp tacos with mango and avocado uh, salsa, like all the time. We make their chili, we make their muffins. It's, it's great. So I highly recommend that. And then Melissa Clark is a food writer for New York Times, and she she had a cookbook called Dinner that came out maybe about a year ago, and we've been making a bunch of stuff from there. That tends to be like something I'll I'll peruse that on a Sunday, and then make Sunday dinner kind of for fun every once yeah. in a while. I'm not every gonna lie, time. it's not happening that often these days, but I think it will this Sunday, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, I went through this like joy of cooking phase. <laughs> so when I was first out on my own after college, I was living in a house with four other girls and we, you know, I would cook my dinners many nights and I would sometimes cook something big for myself on the weekend and then have it for lunch all through the week. I'd bring my lunch to my job because I was making nothing. And so <laughs> I was not even going to buy lunch at, at work. That was like going to be a huge waste of money. But anyway... I, I cooked some of these recipes in the joy of cooking. And I remember in particular this wild rice and mushroom and chicken and spinach and walnut casserole. And it was Sounds great. Good. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And I, I made a huge vat of it. And then I could, you know, heat it up in the microwave at lunch all oh, during the yes. week. And, the one and, pot of lunch trick. I did that in residency <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the one pot lunch. And, and so all I had to do was put it in a little Tupperware and bring it with me to, to work. And, and that was lunch for the entire week. And so, so that I, I assume saved me some quantity of time and cash in that sense. So I, I really got into it. I, I stained that page in, in the joy of cooking. And then un, unfortunately, I haven't really done that much from the joy of cooking since because I guess I had more time then or something. Um, now when I am cooking, I, I really like to look at what those time estimates are, you know, that all those magazines now have time estimates on um, recipes. And sometimes they're accurate. <laughs> sometimes they're accurate. But what I find funny from a, a sort of sociological historical perspective, I, I collect old magazines. I collect like old red books, old good housekeepings, old ladies' home journals um, from the 1950s and stuff. They didn't have those time estimates then. Because uh, everyone's time was limitless. Or limitless. It be. You didn't need it. You didn't need to know. <laughs> it was You were going to cook it or you were not going to cook it, but the, the time was, was non-relevant to the whole situation. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's that's meal planning. Let's let's go to our love of the week. What's what's yours this week? Yeah, I thought we better stay on our foodie theme. My love of the week is Nespresso. So, you know, there are those cute little coffee pods and the sleek looking machines. And we actually have a store near us so we can get the pods. Sometimes I order them online. Sometimes we buy them. And it's just such delicious coffee. I'm not a fan of other pods, but the Nespresso is addictive and so easy. And I was feeling kind of guilty about this love because they, you know, are not necessarily the best for the environment. They're aluminum pods, but I do find out in my research for this episode that they're recyclable. So now I can feel less bad because we can actually just drop it off at the store, which happens to be right near us. But I think they also have an option to ship as well. What about yours? So I guess my food-related love of the week is putting uh, heavy cream in my coffee in the morning. You know, I, I always like putting milk in my coffee. And then a couple of years ago, I realized 
it's better with real cream. <laughs> and so in the morning, I like to have just a dash of real cream in the coffee. So much better. Like it, it especially when I was being woken up by 5 a.m. every morning. I got to say, 4.45 a.m. is no time for skim milk. That's when you really <laughs> need to have the real stuff. And I drink I my do. coffee black, so I don't know, but it does sound kind of delicious. <laughs> it is. And I don't put sugar in my coffee. I don't put sugar Just in Just heavy cream. No, Just heavy great. cream, and, and it's awesome. And then our, our question of the week. So we were getting some professional things, especially coming through my blog that a lot of people are going through the whole end of the year review process. Do you guys do this at, at your office? We do, but it's actually done like at the end of our fiscal year. So ours happens in like May and June instead of the end of the year. So interestingly, yeah. we're out of so A lot of companies are, are doing this right now. So people are gearing up for this. And, and this episode is going to air in November. So we're getting even closer to it when that's coming up. But people say, well, okay, we know that what happens in the last month or two before the review winds up being in people's heads when they go into the review, which is totally unfair because there was a whole year, <laughs> but people remember the last two months. So what should we do to have a really awesome review? Like what can we do in that last month or so to make sure that this is noticed, especially if somebody is like angling for a raise or a promotion? Um, That's I'm so curious to hear your answers because they're probably more widely applicable, but, but I think what you just said is actually really important, which is that before my review, so I went in a little nervous this year because I had gone to part-time and I sort of wanted to make sure they still knew I was all in and a valued employee. I sort of wrote down a list of like, this is what I did this year, bam, 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 so that it wasn't going to be necessarily a focus on what happened in the last few weeks or just a gestalt idea. Oh, what Sarah did this year was go to 80% time. Great. But instead I actually wrote out and I do keep track by updating my CV. So it's easy for me to kind of figure out, you know, what presentations I gave or new groups I led or stuff like that. So I think that actually going in with, at least if that's at our institution, we have this sort of self-eval form. And I think a lot of places have moved towards that. So reminding them of what you did and why you're valuable. Yeah. Well, keep notes on that through the year. I mean, because this is the problem. Like if you haven't been thinking about it either, well, you know, we're the best judge of ourselves and other people probably pay a lot less attention to us than we think they do. And and so, you know, something awesome you did in February is just, you know, not on people's radar screens when you're thinking about this in November, December. So make sure through the year you are keeping notes on every awesome thing you've done. And it might help to, at this point, to jog your memory, to like go pat through past calendar entries, you know, look at any notes you've taken, even stuff like expense reports that you have, but any sort of data you have of the year to go through it and jog your memory of like, well, what were my big wins, you know, and to make sure that it's not, it's sort of hard to, you know, praise ourselves in that way, but, but putting it in a, in a positive light, especially if you're, you're trying to get other people to recognize it. But I think also with this, it helps to be thinking about even the next year. I mean, it is kind of late going into this year to, to score a really big win in the next month, though, if you can go for it. I mean, that's a good reason to hunker down and make it happen. Uh, but be thinking about, well, we're going to have this review again next year. Like most likely you'll have to go through this again next year, even if not at your current employer, at some other employer. And so what would you like to be saying at next year's review? 
Like what would make it seem like a really awesome review? If you were saying things this year, what would you want to be saying? And, and so next year, what would you like to be saying? And then once you have that list, you can start actually making it happen in the next year um, and, and know what you're working toward. And to some extent, reminding a reviewer of what you have on the docket is also a reminder that you're valuable because it's like, oh, well, that won't happen unless we have this very valuable employee <laughs> yeah. with the initiative to do it. But you still can probably do stuff in the next few weeks. I mean, if you just spend a few minutes thinking about it. And I mean, it's so easy not to think ahead and not to plan and strategize because we always get so busy. But if you just spend 30 minutes and recognize that this is one of the best investments of your time you can make, because this is where people's raises and promotions come out of is decisions made in these meetings and whatever your performance review rating or whatever is on this is what is going to be the evidence then used in that decision. And so spending like an hour or two thinking through what would I like to say? Is there something I can do to shore that up in the next couple of weeks? I mean, is there somebody I've worked with who I could get, you know, testimonials from um, to bring in as evidence? Uh, you know, people love things like that. It's like book, book blurbs or something like, let's, <laughs> let's talk about how wonderful this person is, this wonderful thing she did. But, you know, bringing that in as evidence or anything that you can turn into numbers, numbers are also good. So not just like, oh, I, you know, worked really hard, we'd be like, well, we, you know, contacted all these old clients and managed to bring three of them back into our firm. I mean, that's the kind of numbers people like to see. Um, so like in medicine, they already have your numbers. They like, already have your numbers. <laughs> they data mine your productivity and your ratings and everything. So I don't know that there's as much control that can be sort of done at the at the end of the day there. So for us, it's more just about like highlighting like what successes outside of necessarily those numbers um, that they might not, they, they probably wouldn't think about or know about. But I agree the preparation is really important because it's it's a very high stakes kind of a kind of a thing. It's a crucial conversation. <laughs> well, this has been episode 14, our meal plan extravaganza. Uh, we've been talking about getting food on the table when you're tired after work all day and various ways to make that easier and less painful for everyone involved. So we'll be back next week with more of Best of Both Worlds. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.